0: Welcome to this week's podcast at Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit Bergenparkchurch.org. It's good to be with you. Hey, if you want to grab a Bible that would help me uh, and turn to Matthew chapter 7, uh, not Matthew chapter 7. It's actually uh, Matthew 18. Oh, wow. And yes, what are we doing? Oh, thanks, you want to help me out? All right, there you go. Yeah. So Matthew 18. Jump to Matthew 18, verse 21, and here's where we're going to go. And hopefully the rest of this is going to go so well. Forgiveness. We love to receive forgiveness. Forgiveness. How easily do you give forgiveness and are there people in your life right now like when i say the word forgiveness i imagine somebody may come to mind and you're like there's no way i could possibly forgive them there's no way i could address what that person did what is your relationship to forgiveness because jesus has some pretty strong words when it comes to forgiveness i mean they're shocking words they're hard to deal with i'll be honest i struggle with what Jesus describes around forgiveness. He says, the evidence that you know me and that you've received my mercy is that you're merciful to others. The evidence that we know Christ and we've been forgiven is our willingness to forgive others. How do we relate to that? So let's jump into it. Matthew chapter 18. We're gonna pick it up in verse 21. Matthew 18, verse 21. All right, here we go. And then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? and I forgive him as many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And therefore the king of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have mercy, have patience on me, and I will pay everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him. And he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. And he refused, and he went out, and he put him into prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your hearts. And this is the word of the Lord. All thanks be to God. Hey, let me pray for you and would you, would you pray for me? Father, I just thank you for um, the messiness of life we have a vision for how life should go, how our childhood should go, how marriage should go, how relationships should go, and it did not go that way. And we get wounded and others wound us, and Lord, we just submit that to you today. Can't imagine the weight that people carry in this room, the hurts, the hardships, the past, and yet we're burdened. You tell us we're burdened by bitterness, and I wanna pray that the captives would be set free today. We would find a measure of freedom, in your mercy and grace for us. Father, release us in Jesus' name, amen. You You can keep it, I don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, forgiveness is a complicated subject. Now the teaching that Jesus gives us is simple, but walking through the process of forgiveness I think is complicated and I don't wanna minimize What anyone could have walked through or experienced because conflicts are nuanced you know I sit down with a couple and I may hear the vantage point of one side of the story and then I hear the other side of the story and it sounds I have no clue I have no idea who's right who's wrong and often in conflicts it's complicated but what Jesus says about forgiveness is quite shocking and it's, and it's also in some ways offensive towards us. He says, if we don't forgive, the Father will not forgive us. How do we relate to that? Well, in Matthew chapter 18, if you look at the entire chapter, it's all about relationships. How do we get along with each other? And when we don't get along, how do we make it right? And in the middle of that message, and this is all one sermon that Jesus is sharing with his disciples, Peter raises his hand. He's like, OK, Jesus, I got a question. How many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? I'm going for seven. Now, in, in Peter's day, the standard was three. The rabbis said you should forgive somebody three times. On the fourth time, baby, it is on. This is going down. There is no forgiveness after the fourth time. So I imagine Peter knows that Jesus is pretty compassionate and so he's like, okay, I'm going to take the three times at times two plus one. Jesus, I'm imagining you're a seven-time forgiveness kind of guy. Am I right? And then what, how does Jesus answer? In verse 22, I say to you not seven times, but 77 times. Some translations say 70 times seven. Now, the numbers don't matter. If you can count to 77 times and you get to 78, it's not like it's on. Instead, he's saying forgiveness should be unlimited. Forgiveness should be unlimited. Because, see, forgiveness is not about them, it's about you. Forgiveness is not about the other person. See, there's two sides to this conflict there's you, and let's imagine you're the one that was hurt. And that's one side of this transaction. On the other side of this transaction is the person who hurt you. Forgiveness has nothing to do with, this, with what this other person does. And the reason we get enslaved is because we're waiting for them to start. We're waiting for them to address it. We're waiting for them to admit, I hurt you. And because we think forgiveness is two sides of a transaction, we get enslaved and we get stuck. Forgiveness is one side of a two sided transaction. It's your role that when you are hurt, it's a way of experiencing not just obedience to God, but forgiveness. Uh, Freedom. Actually, I was going to say freedom. It's about freedom. Do we want to be set free? Do we want to be set free? and this this number 77 is actually somewhat important if you go back to Genesis chapter 5 it's the first time you see this number 77 show up and it's spoken by this guy named Lamech Lamech's not a good character you do not want to name your kid Lamech it's not a good choice because Lamech is the perfection of evil Lamech is the seventh generation from Cain so you have Cain and Abel and if you remember Cain wipes out Abel Seven generations, which is the number of perfection, is Lamech. And Lamech says this, if Cain gets avenged seven times, I'm going to be avenged 77 times. What Jesus is doing is contrasting. He's contrasting the revenge that we tend to put on others. Our revenge is unlimited. And he's saying, just as your revenge in the human condition is unlimited, God's forgiveness is unlimited. He's contrasting those two realities that as we jump into this parable, you're gonna notice that God's forgiveness is extravagant and shocking. It has no limits. But the sad thing is our revenge and our vengeance has no limits. And can we say it's shocking? It's shocking. Someone steals your car, kills your dog, you wipe out their entire family. It's called John Wick. (laughs) Yeah, have you seen it? They stole his car. They killed his dog and he goes on a killing spree and he wipes out everybody because that's the story of vengeance. It doesn't start with getting justice, it's getting payback. And the human heart has 70 times seven when it comes to payback, we're never satisfied. We're never satisfied. We're never gonna be set free by evening the score. We'll only be set free through forgiveness. It's only through forgiveness. And so let's jump back into the story when we jump back into the story what, what we're going to notice is just again the shocking reality of what jesus is calling us to and in many ways it matches what we looked at last week if you remember the story of jesus washing the disciples feet and did you catch the commercial i plan that in the super bowl there was a commercial about washing feet and the reality of jesus washing feet is he wasn't worried about his reputation I don't know if you know this he was called a friend of drunken he was called a not a drunken he was called a, a glutton that's what it was i put two words together he was called a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners because he wasn't worried about his reputation and when we go out into the world and start washing the feet of people that maybe are different than us more than likely we're going to be labeled we're going to be misunderstood jesus was okay with that because he was more interested in the mission of God in the world than what other people thought about him. It was shocking, wasn't it? And likewise, in this story, what we're going to find in the king and in this unforgiving servant is it's, it's shocking. It's shocking. So let's jump back in. Verse 23. He says, okay, what's the kingdom of heaven like? Let me compare it to a king who's going to go out and he's going to settle his debts, so he grabs all his servants. Let's settle up your debts. And when he began to settle them, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents." Now, that's a stupid number. Now, when people heard 10,000 talents, they would have laughed, because it's a dumb number. Uh, The average worker would make one denarii in a day. It takes 10,000 denarii to equal one talent, Okay, So that's 300,000 years' worth of salary. It's ridiculous. the first century uh, historians say that the average debt of the entire country of Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria was around 600 talents, the entire debt. This one person owes 10,000 talents. So the idea is it's a ridiculous sum. And in verse 25, since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold into slavery with his wife. So it affects everyone. Bitterness affects our families, the people around us, and all that he had until the debt was paid. he sold into debtor's prison. And the idea is, as you work off in slavery, that debt would be paid, and he says in verse 26, so the servant fell at his knees imploring him, have patience with me, as if patience could pay this back. And I'll pay you everything, to which it's impossible. And out of pity, and I want you to key in on that word pity, it's sometimes translated compassion, out of mercy, The master of that servant released him and forgave that debt. Realize to forgive that debt would bankrupt the king. Because the amount that is owed him is so great that to receive that, to absorb that, would be a tremendous suffering upon himself in this kingdom. And yet because of pity. Because of compassion and, and mercy, he was willing to forgive his servant. You know, that word in the Greek is gidzomai. It's a really weird word in the Greek. And what it means is to rumble within. It's this idea of your internal organs, and that compassion is something that comes internally. You look upon the need of someone else, and you have compassion for them. This king has compassion for someone who owes him a tremendous amount of debt, a guy who messed up his own life. It's his fault. Do you have compassion for people who have messed up their life and it's their fault? Typically not. But this is the most common word used to describe Jesus. When Jesus sees somebody in need, when he sees the human condition, even when he sees the human condition of our own revenge and sin, Jesus has compassion towards them. This king represents the character of our God towards us. He has compassion. He has compassion. And you would think that would change somebody, right? If God forgave you that amount, that would absolutely change the way you see others and treat others, and yet we discover it it didn't. It didn't happen. Verse 28, and when that same servant went out, he found his fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii. Again, remember, this guy owns 100 million denarii. He finds somebody that owes him 100 denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him. Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and he pleaded with him, have patience, same story, and I'll pay you. And he refused. Instead, he went out and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. How cold-hearted. I have been forgiven so much, and yet I find somebody who has committed this very small act, and I don't want justice. What I want is revenge. Jesus is describing the human experience. Somebody hurts us, and we don't simply want justice, but when they refuse to admit it, when they refuse to own it, when they refuse to change the way they're living, what we do is we have this this cold-hearted vengeance in our heart that begins to swell, and eventually it starts to enslave us. The difference between the king and this servant is this word, compassion. The difference between us, often, and God It's compassion. God is holy in his compassion. He is so different from us that when he looks upon the sins that we've committed to our rebellion, he looks upon us with compassion. That should change us. It should change the way we see ourselves. Most of us are bitter towards ourselves. You may not recognize it yet. And some of us are bitter towards others. When Christ comes into our life, What it allows us to do is to see somebody through the lens of compassion. Now, that's a process, and it's not a process that happens overnight. And so notice what happens. Verse 31, everybody else sees this transaction, and they feel absolutely sick. When this fellow servant saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, Wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have... And there's that word, mercy, compassion on your fellow servant, as I have had on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. That seems justified. And then we hear these words that I don't like. And I think it's okay to wrestle with it. I don't like these words. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The reason I say I don't like them is not because they're there, I know myself. And I know there's areas in my life and there's people to whom I do not wanna forgive. Because see, I think forgiveness is two sides of an equation and not one side. And I'm waiting for you to do the right thing before I release you. But forgiveness is not about releasing you, forgiveness is about releasing me. And see, when I get released, Just like this servant, it impacts the lives of everyone around me. What if we live in a culture where bitterness is impacting the lives of everyone around us? What would it look like if mercy was the quality? When you walk into King Supers, right, you kind of feel it, wow, this is mercy in this room. Because see, mercy, forgiveness, bitterness, all of it, it has a social impact. It doesn't just impact the servant, it impacts his family, it impacts the nation, And likewise, when we receive the forgiveness of God, it should show up in our lives and impact the lives of others. That's what Jesus is saying. If you've really been forgiven, it should show up in the way that you see others. Let me say, that's your next step in discipleship. Let me just pause right there. For many of us, that's your next step. It's not another Bible study. Bible studies are good. I believe in that. Come to Bible Basics. That's important. For many of you, you have the information. You're afraid to push back into what happened. You're afraid to address the hurt. You're afraid to address the shame. You don't wanna go back and look at, and I get that. But see, that's where Jesus needs to show up in your life. His desire is to heal the wound, to heal the pain, to heal the sadness, to heal the shame. But see, what we do is, I don't wanna do that. I just wanna stay in my head. I want forgiveness to be this little prayer. I forgive Bill for what he did to me. I'm good, I'm great doing awesome, and then what shows up in our lives is the evidence of bitterness, because bitterness is a root. Do you know nothing else in the New Testament is described as a root? And what do roots do? They grow, thank you. And they're really hard to get out. Have you ever tried to dig out in your front yard like a plant that's been there for years and years and years and you take the truck, right, and you tie that chain onto that root and you've gotta pull that thing because you couldn't get out on your own? Right. That's bitterness. And see, just addressing and cutting off the leaves or even just cutting it down to the base, that's not enough. You've got to get in there and invite Jesus and others into it to look at it and to see it. Do you recognize that's the depth of what he's describing? This was painful for the king. It was painful and it required a deep transaction and a willingness to take what this person did and to absorb the debt. But see, what we're describing first and foremost is not what we do. Jesus is describing what God has done. He's forgiven us a debt we could never cover. That's Ephesians 2. I want to turn there. Ephesians 2, verse 4. And God, being rich in mercy, notice, because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, trespasses he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. He saw our debt And what was God? He moved. He was moved with compassion. Even though we messed up our lives and rebelled against him, he didn't move towards us in judgment, but in compassion, desiring that all would be saved. And Jesus enters into the world to do what? To absorb your and my debt. And what's the evidence of that? It's verse 10. You are God's workmanship. You have been created into something beautiful because of the mercy of God. I want to see it. I wanna see it. When we are forgiven, it's to live a life of forgiveness. When we are loved, it's to live a life of love. That's your next step of discipleship, is to actually walk in the truth of who we are. But it's much easier just to stay in the study side, and the head side, and not actually allow the truth of what God's calling me to descend into my heart and to get next to somebody and say, I have absolute bitterness towards my family in the life that I've experienced, I have bitterness towards my ex-husband, my wife, whoever it is, and to sit next to somebody and allow them to see you for the first time. That's a vulnerable place to be. But see, in the depth of that honesty, Jesus shows up and he begins to heal us. That's the path that Christ has us on. And when you begin to be healed, you become a healer that can heal others. Because what Jesus has done to us, he desires to do to others. Forgiveness is not simply a sign, it is like love, the sign that we belong to God. Now, how do we know that Lord's Prayer? You all know the Lord's Prayer, I'm sure. If you don't, that's okay. But it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How often do we pray that? How often did he say to pray that? Every single day. So every single day, I want you to acknowledge, God, thank you that you've forgiven me. Who do I need to forgive? Why is that there? Because that's that's the first thing we address in our walk with the Lord, is bitterness is such a root that once we get that out, everything else starts to open up. And if you notice in verse 14, if you go to Matthew 6, you see the same pattern after the parable. Jesus says, if you do not forgive, your, your father won't forgive you. Well, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, of all the ideas he could emphasize from the Lord's Prayer, notice in Matthew 6, 14, what does he emphasize? What does he say? If you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their trespasses neither will your father forgive you what is the evidence that we receive the grace of god it's a willingness to forgive now we're going to get into a little nuance because some of you are saying it doesn't work and in part it doesn't work because you're still getting hurt you may still be in that relationship, you may still be in that place. So how do we actually begin to address it? You know, we don't fake depression. Anybody fake depression? Just as, or or fake bitterness. You know what we fake? Being okay. We don't fake sadness. We fake that it didn't bother me. Hey, it's water under the dam. What if all of those statements we grew up with, hey, boys, don't cry, right? Rub some dirt on it. I don't know why, but, right? Get up. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. I don't think those statements were meant to harm us from our fathers or whoever said it to it, but when that gets embedded in your heart, it keeps you from freedom. It keeps you from acknowledging where Jesus needs to show up in your life and bring life, and not just for you, but bring life so that others might experience the freedom that Christ has for them. Forgiving, forgiveness is forgiving. Forgiveness is for giving. So what do we do when somebody hurts us? I want to share, there's an organization called 70times7.org. You guys can put that um, image up if you can find it. If you need help in the area of forgiveness, first, we'd love to sit down with you, but you can also go to great organizations like that that will help you through that process. And so I want to give you some practical guidelines for forgiveness. When somebody injures you, you have two choices in a sense. I guess you could have more than two, but I'm going to just go with two. And the first thing is to overlook the offense. Sometimes you can just overlook the offense. And it actually says that in Proverbs 19, 19, 1911. Good sense makes one slow to anger. It's to his glory to overlook an offense. Bitterness causes offenses to be greater. When there is bitterness in our heart and there are wounds that are not healed, you're on edge. And so everything is going to hit you, and it's going to hit you hard, and it's going to hit you offensive, and you're not going to be reflective but reactive because that's what bitterness does. It doesn't allow you to think. And if we don't address the bitterness, then everything that comes at you is an offense. It's somebody attacking you. It's somebody that hates you. Healthy, when you start to become whole, those offenses don't hit you in the same way. So the first step is to overlook it, but the only way you can overlook it is the second step is you have to forgive. You have to learn the process of forgiveness in three steps. First step, just like the 12 steps of the 12 steps, I got a problem. I got a problem. First step, why do they start that way? I have a problem and I can't solve it. Bitterness is a problem and you can't solve it. Unforgiveness is a problem that we can't solve, and we just need to be honest. And the first step for some of us is to admit that to someone else. I got a problem, and maybe you need prayer this morning. Somebody can pray over you for that and just say, hey, uh, there's somebody I need to forgive or I need to be forgiven. I need to acknowledge it. And then second, you've got to account for it. This is the hardest step. Just like in the 12-step process, you've got to make amends. You've got to start addressing the issues that you've caused. You've got to account for what happened. No one wants to do that you've got to look at it and say, who hurt me? What happened? And not just what happened 10 years ago, but how has that changed my life as a result? Because that's part of the baggage, isn't it? And the sad thing about unforgiveness is you're handing your well-being and your happiness to somebody who hurt you. When we refuse to forgive, what's happening is that person's moved on, they're gone. Maybe they even passed away. But the person who hurt us now is in control of our well-being because if they don't respond rightly to me, I'm going to hold on to that. And that enslaves us. Jesus is inviting us to let it go. The way we got to let it go is just like when you go to an accountant and you want to write off a debt. What do you have to do? Well, who owes the debt? How deep is the debt? How long have you held it? What's the implications of it? And you have to step into it, and to the degree we step into the debt, to that degree we find forgiveness. To that degree we find forgiveness. Now, earlier on, uh, Jesus talked about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. So I wanna jump into that real quick. Verse 15, because forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness leads to reconciliation. It's a door towards, but you do not have to be reconciled. They do not have to admit what they've done. To forgive them. Because again, forgiveness is one side of a two-sided transaction. And so notice in verse 15, Jesus is talking about the process of reconciliation. If your brother sins against you, don't harbor that in your heart like I do. Go to him. That's scary. Right? I'm going to go to somebody that hurt me. Do you realize they hurt me? So there's already a lack of trust. That takes a tremendous courage to say, hey, this happened. Now, I find most people will respond well to that. Go and address it with your brother. Now, you don't address it with your brother to crush him. You don't go John Wick on them and address it with their brother. You go to your brother with the desire to reconcile, and so that's the character you're moving towards. You're going humility, addressing the plank in my eye before I take the speck out of my brother's eye. And then notice, if he listens, hey, you've regained your brother, reconciliation. But if he doesn't listen, which happens a lot, get some accountability. That's verse 16. But if he doesn't listen, take one or two people with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. You do not have to be in the presence of someone who is unsafe towards you. That's not forgiveness, that's foolish. If you're in an abusive relationship, get out of the abusive relationship. There's no wisdom staying in a relationship where somebody's constantly hurting you. Instead, what you need to do is you're not abandoning the person, but you've gotta step out of that cycle of pain and abuse, and you gotta go find somebody and say, hey, walk with me through this. I need you to carry my burdens as I address those issues. You need accountability. You need support. You can't do this alone. And if they don't respond to one or two people, what do you do? You bring it to us. Can we walk with you? That's what Jesus says in verse 17. If he refuses, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a Gentile, a tax collector, meaning someone that doesn't walk with God. That's not a decision you make. Let me pause right there. You don't make the decision to treat somebody like a Gentile or a tax collector, it's a decision the church makes with you. Because we're really quick to cut somebody off, right? But instead, when you walk in accountability and you invite others into that process, that's where healing takes place. I'm not carrying this alone. I'm not carrying alone. So you have to account for what happened. One, acknowledge it, I got a problem. Two, account for it and the final thing is to give it to God and to give it to others. To give it to God and to give it to others. And see, that's the end of a process. And when you give it to God, it's not a one-time thing. There's people that I've been forgiving for 15 years. And you know what? I think, I'm free. I'm free. And then they walk in the room. I'm not free. (laughs) Right? Or they lose their job. Yes! Oh, shoot. What is forgiveness? It's that I no longer need to crush you. And when I look at you, I can bless you because I've absorbed the emotional and relational debt that you've caused. That's a process. And it's a process of continuing to give it to God and to give it to others, to have accountability. And at the end of the process, there are prayers that you can pray. This is one prayer I can show you guys that's been incredibly helpful for me. Lord, I choose to forgive. And you just fill in the blank. And here's where accounting happens, for what? And name it, describe it, get into it for causing me to feel. And that's where you have to be honest about the impact. And I'm willing to pay for the emotional pain and consequences that this person has caused me. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to take back the ground I've given to the enemy through my bitterness. And I yield that ground to your control. Now, if you have the U Version Bible app, all of these notes are available in the U Version Bible app, including that prayer. Because some of you don't want to take a picture of it because you know it's something you need, but you don't want anyone else to know it. <laughs> I'm the same way. I wouldn't do it either, right? I'm not that bold and courageous. It's in the U Version Bible app. You can go in there to events and you'll find all of the notes there. Hey, God wants to set us free. Are we willing to trust Him that He can offer it to us? Let me pray for you father i thank you that um, you're angry for our freedom and so before we share communion before we grab the elements i i want to create space just to pause I, I don't want anyone to walk out of this room with a greater burden but a new vision for life so holy spirit would you come would you Create a safe place for us to be honest about our past. And maybe it's not today just about acknowledging everything, but just acknowledging that it needs to change. And after communion, maybe it's our opportunity to come forward and just to say, yeah, I need help. I need help. I want to be set free. So, Father, would you meet us here as we celebrate communion together? In Jesus' name, amen. So if you didn't grab the elements when you came in, those elements are available to you. In the back and also up front, and I wanna encourage you to grab those elements and then together we're gonna hold them. And after a period of prayer and silence, we will uh, share communion together. After supper, Jesus took a cup. So this cup, it represents the new covenant that is now established in my blood is often as we eat this bread and drink this cup. We proclaim the Lord's death. step would you have that courage just to allow the spirit to lead you to come forward whether during the service or after it's good to see you guys